So, Joe, tonight's movie is a sex game with a great soundtrack. I can't wait to play it for you. Hang on. Wait. Didn't we already do Nine and a Half Weeks? What? No, 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 no. I'm talking about Dick Tracy. The Disney movie? The, the one they made for children? Yes. I'm on my way. Dick Tracy, look out, crooks, you better break out. Plus Tracy chilling on a stakeout. He's in town and he's hunting big boy Caprice. Tracy's on the C-A-S-C. It's no win if you think about doing crime. Tracy, have you doing time? Word. When he's dealing with hoods like flat top. He rolls solo. He doesn't need a backup copy. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rockin' good time talking about all of our favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, what the hell is this movie? It's a child's version of Sin City is what it is. We are talking about 1990s Dick Tracy. Oh, my God. And it's a fucking ride, people. When you, when you suggested this last week, like, you, you actually, when you said it on the show, that was the first time I'd heard the words Dick Tracy in 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you have to say that, like, while taking a drag off a cigarette, like, Dick Tracy. <sighs> it's a name I haven't heard in 30 years. <laughs> neither of us are really smoking just so you no. all know smoking yeah. is disgusting it's a visual medium <laughs> but yes tonight we're talking about dick tracy and um everything surrounding it because this is one of those weird movies from the uh, early 90s that was all about like the multimedia experience oh man and multimedia it was yes and plus it's got you know a hundred something year history yeah, of course. This was by far not the first Dick Tracy movie ever made, though ironically, it definitely the last. Yeah, well, do mm. we count the special? <laughs> I wish we didn't have to, but yeah, you're right. But before we get into Dick Tracy, we have some old business from our last episode to cover. Um, the polls for our last episode on The Lost Boys were very interesting. Yes. So we, we did three polls because we thought there's so much good stuff on this album we just had to break it up. And also the stuff that maybe we didn't like, but we knew you would. We knew we'd get a lot of hate mail if we left off, say, Cry Little Sister. Or Cry Little Children, as we refer to it in the poll. As we, as we accidentally referred to it, and we're not going to restart that poll. <laughs> the first poll we ran, uh, Cry Little Children, excuse me, Cry Little Sister, and People Are Strange both tied with 43% of the vote. We which, hate it when you tie. Which blew my mind, because I was so sure that one was going to run away with it. Cry mm-hmm. Little Sister. Actually, Lost in the Shadows had 5% of the vote, which I honestly thought was going to be a bigger hit. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed, frankly. And then Good Times had 10%, which is perfectly fine. A couple of y'all love Good Times, and that's great. Yeah. But, uh, and, and of course, people were mad that I accidentally called Cry Little Sister Cry Little Children. So they were, they, some, of, some of y'all out there insisted we rerun the poll, which, rest assured, we were going to do that anyway. <laughs> Yes. Because in poll number two, we threw a monkey wrench into the works by asking you uh, which version of I Still Believe is the best version. And, of course, I Still Believe won with uh, 38.5% of the vote. Because it's a great song. Because, yeah. I mean, how are you going to vote against I Still Believe? It's got sax guy. Come on. It's got sax guy. And it's got amazing sense to go with it. Like, what more do you want? And fire. And plenty of fire. 
So then our final poll, we mashed everything together. Uh, Cry Little Sister, People Are Strange, and I Still Believe in the final round. And with 39% of the vote, Cry Little Sister won that poll. All my little goth babies. (laughs) All you little goth babies enjoy. But it was a close race, though, because uh, uh, I Still Believe had 27% excuse me, 29% of the vote, and People Are Strange had 32% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And for a while there, they were all perfectly even, and I was pulling my hair out over it. I know, you you hate that. So. I, I, I do. <laughs> I, I had, I maybe, I may or may not have created another Twitter account just so I could vote and skew the results. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I but did he not. would. Don't, so don't make him. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I just want someone to win, damn it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's how uh, the Lost Boys shook out, kind of the way we expected it. It was very close. Mm-hmm. Well, so we'll have a poll after this week's episode. So check in on Friday. Yes. And vote for your favorite. Yes, your, your favorite Dick Tracy songs. Um, there's going to be a few. There'll be, there are some bangers on this album. Yeah, this is uh, a great album. And so we're clear. We are mostly talking about the OST. Yes. Uh, there were three albums that went with Dick Tracy. There was the OST, the which was uh, produced by Andy Paley, the Paley Brothers. There was the score, which was done by Danny Elfman in the most Danny Elfman way possible. And there's also Madonna's I'm Breathless, which we will touch on, but is not our primary focus because it's not very good. Right. And we'll get into sort of all this stuff later, but I feel like the only reason that album even exists as with a lot of the things on this movie, is because Disney wanted their own Batman. And, Mm -hmm. well, Batman has an album by one artist, so why shouldn't Dick Tracy have an album by one artist? Yes. And when your director is already dating Madonna, it just seems obvious. (sighs) Yes. So, with with all that in mind, Libby, tell me a little bit about Dick Tracy. I'm going to try my best. It is about... Uh, Dick Tracy, who is sort of the Vic Mackey of the 40s. He goes around just like <laughs> punching suspects in the face and denying them water and generally being a real jerk off. Uh, he is trying to fight the crime boss, uh, Al Big Boy Caprice, and his many uh, multi-hued minions. He is also trying to raise an orphan, the kid, and not get not get dumped by his sweetheart, Tess Trueheart. There is a blonde lady, played by Madonna, named Breathless Mahoney, and she generally drinks champagne and says a lot of really gross sexual innuendo. Again, this is PG, and it was uh, preceded by a Roger Rabbit cartoon. So you have to understand how fucking weird this movie is on a tone basis. This is nominally a film for children. And I know that because as I was going through some old home movies recently, I discovered, much to my delight and horror, a quick video clip of a five-year-old me wearing a Dick Tracy t-shirt. Yes. There was a McDonald's tie-in. There was going to be a Disney World ride. Mm -hmm. The Disney store at one point was nothing but Dick Tracy merchandise. This was supposed to be a huge hit. Yeah, and like a lot of the big like marketing moves with movies nowadays, like this movie had prequel comics, it had video games, it had action figures, it had, like we said, three soundtrack albums. They were so invested in making this a hit that the movie almost didn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, plot-wise. Honestly, I really can't tell you what happens in this movie, except that Dick Tracy, like, shoots a machine gun at a bunch of people. Yeah, it's it's basically the plot of, like, every gangster movie ever, except uh, the gangsters lose at the end. Because, well, all gangsters always lose, but crime doesn't pay, as as Dick Tracy wants you to know. Yes, especially because not one criminal goes to jail. They all get murdered. There is yes. no law and order. There is just law. Law without order is as great a danger to the people as order without law. Jefferson. <laughs> oh, boy. So, well, before we talk about the soundtrack proper, let's go to Billboarding School for just a hot minute. Yes. Because uh, this movie, this album, all of these albums actually charted. Really? Yes, all three that, of them. That somehow surprised me. Not at the same time. So, okay, I'll break this down for you a little bit. So Madonna's I'm Breathless album peaked at number two uh, in June of 1990, and it was on the charts for like 25 weeks. And, you know, it's a Madonna album. Of course it will. But it was a very weird Madonna album because all blonde singers at some point feel they have to do like something that's like like 40s, like going back to like jazz and like lipstick because christine aguilera did this with back to basics and it is one of the worst albums i've ever heard in my life so this was just madonna's back to basics yeah with the added benefit of having steven sondheim do all the music for her Mm. benefit detriment whatever you want to call it detriment to him benefit to her yeah there you go um so then the, the the dick tracy ost the album we're supposed to be talking about tonight debuted on the charts at number 166 on june 30th 1990 the number one album that week, Step by Step by New Kids on the Block. Yes, and New Kids on the Block actually toured with uh, one of our, the singers on the album we're going to talk about tonight. Yes, and the top soundtracks on the, uh, the charts that week. Uh, at number three was Madonna's I'm Breathless, of course. Uh-huh. And then at number six was Pretty Woman. So this was kind of, that was the era we were yes. in. Yes. But uh, uh, the Dick Tracy OST fell off the charts uh, on August 4th after like five weeks. Number one album that week was Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him by MC <laughs> Hammer. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised MC Hammer wasn't a villain in this. Everybody else was. I mean, honestly, if anybody was going to do a rap for this movie, it should have been MC Hammer. It really should have been, but I'll take Ice T. But the one we got was amazing, so I'll give yes. it to him. And the top soundtracks were still I'm Breathless and Pretty Woman. Now, here's where the, tri- the twist comes in. The OST falls off the charts. The next week, Danny Elfman's score hits the charts at 194. <laughs> For exactly one week. <laughs> Before they realized, hey, this is just a Batman soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure, I-, I didn't check this, but I'm pretty sure the Batman soundtrack is still on the charts. Because <laughs> Batman Mania lasted for a good couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's all I've got. And that's all I've got for billboarding school. So it, it kind of, you know, the Madonna album was big because it was Madonna. The OST hung around for a little bit, but didn't really make many make many fans and the Danny Elfman score charted, which I feel like for a Danny Elfman score is a, a win. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact, I read an article where he was, they interviewed uh, Danny Elfman at the time. And he said that he had to finalize the score for Dick Tracy while he was on the road with Oingo Boingo. Yes. And, because Steve Bartok uh, contributes. Yes. And so he had to call into the studio and ask the, uh, the fill-in composer, Shirley Walker to, uh, to basically give him her notes and tell him how things were going so he could finalize it and then go back on tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, the best. 
And the and uh, because everything comes back to Batman, Shirley Walker went on to do the the composing for Batman the Animated Series, which is based on Danny Elfman's Batman music. Yes, as is as we said, this music. Of course. Uh, so where do you want to start uh, with Dick Tracy tonight? Well, do you want to give a little background on how this film came to be made because it's a little bit insane. It's a lot insane, and I would love to talk about that because. I fell down that rabbit hole the other night, and it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And the long and short of it is that uh, Warren Beatty had wanted to make a Dick Tracy movie since the 70s, and so much so that he first developed it with uh, his team and brought it to United Artists in 1980. That project fell through, so they then took it to Paramount. Paramount wanted Steven Spielberg to direct this movie. And then Paramount, with with the idea of wanting Steven Spielberg, brought it to Universal because they wanted Universal to help pay for it. Mm-hmm. Universal wanted John Landis to direct it. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go? Well, uh, a little tragedy on the Twilight Zone movie uh, caused John Landis to drop out completely. <laughs> so instead, they replaced him with Walter Hill. Streets of Fire's Walter Hill. Yes! This which, movie could have somehow been weirder. Which honestly would have been amazing. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, Walter Hill and Warren Beatty uh, left the project. They just you know, couldn't see eye to eye with the Universal or Paramount. And then it went back to Paramount under Jeffrey Katzenberg. Are you still following me? Because here's where it gets crazy. <laughs> here's where it gets crazy. In 85, Warren Beatty personally bought the rights to Dick Tracy. <laughs> This is going to be important later. This is going to be on the test. Yes. By that time, Katzenberg was now the head of production at Disney, and he still wanted to make Dick Tracy. So he brought Warren Beatty back in, and together they wanted to hire Martin Scorsese to direct it. And then at some point, Warren Beatty just realized if he wanted to do this movie bad enough, maybe he should just do the damn thing himself. And because Batman had come out and was the biggest thing ever, Disney wanted a piece of that prize, so... They ba- their basic directive was make this as much like Batman as you can. Hence, Dick Tracy. Yes. Now, just a little backstory on uh, on Dick Tracy. Uh, Dick Tracy started in October of 1931, and he has run pretty much uh, up until, if not recently, if he's not still in comics, I'd be surprised. Because I remember Dick Tracy comics running in the Daily Oklahoman when I was a teenager. I believe they are still being published. Oh, wow. Um, and he is uh, he's a detective with the police department, which was the first thing I had misremembered. Because I, in my head, having only seen this movie once, I uh, remembered him as a PI, I guess. It's the trench coat, maybe? Yeah. But uh, he's loosely based on Elliot Ness. Like course, everyone was back then. Of course he is, yeah. Yes. Now, in addition to comics, there were several serials. There were a couple movies. There was a time in the 60s where Dick Tracy went to space and his son married someone on the moon, but later she got killed. Also, they had a moon daughter. Um, Libby, Libby, I have to stop you. You are, <laughs> you're talking gibberish. No, that's real. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. The space period. Um... So, yeah, the space period saw Dick Tracy and friends having adventures on the moon and meeting Moon Maid, the daughter of the leader of the race of humanoid people living in Moon Valley in 1964. Uh, 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 Dick uh, Tracy Jr. married Moon Maid in in October of 64. Their daughter, Honeymoon Tracy, had an antenna 
and magnet hands. In the spring of 1969, Tracy was offered the post of the chief of police of Moon Valley. Get Warren Beatty on the phone. That's the movie we want to see. Oh, God. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, in the 1970s, uh... Uh, Charles Gould modernized Dick Tracy by giving him a longer hairstyle and a mustache and adding a hippie sidekick, Groovy Grove. I take it back. That's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Um, okay. So a yeah. quick Wikipedia check says that uh, to this day, Dick, Dick Tracy comics are still appearing in newspapers. Okay. I've never seen one. Uh, I have not seen one since the mid 90s in Oklahoma. I don't know what newspapers are still running it. Does your newspaper carry Dick Tracy? Oh, take Lord, pic- no. Well, sorry, oh, sorry. if you out there are listening, take a picture of today's newspaper with a Dick Tracy uh, comic, and we will not send you a prize. We don't have anything. We, but our eternal gratitude will have to suffice. And we'll retweet you. Yes. Tweet it to OST Party. Also on Wikipedia, under under partnerships, there are two character names that I was not expecting to see. <clears throat> and Little are. Orphan Annie and Daddy Warbucks. Yes, that actually makes a weird amount of sense. But again... Let's get that one going. Yeah, yeah, really. Dick Tracy adopts Little Orphan Nanny. Yeah, Daddy exactly. Warbucks or she, or is she a grows up, or she grows up and marries Dick Tracy Jr. Warren Beatty, come on, man, get your shit together. Where, um, where's the '80s uh, Dick Tracy Jr. meets James Bond Jr. cartoon? Oh dear when did, God! Why didn't that happen? <laughs> Let's not give him too many ideas. Okay, so, so there also was an animated series that never made it partially because of disagreements with warren Beatty over who ran it right um, and he was supposed to appear in who framed roger rabbit but because of disputes over oh. the copyright he does not appear in the in a cut sequence wow and that yes and again like synergy is a hell of a thing this i think we mentioned it this film's uh, in theaters premiered with a roger rabbit cartoon yes to make to tell you that yes this movie is for children now jumping (laughs) ahead this movie opens with a small urchin boy watching like eight gangsters get mowed down with a machine gun right like that is literally the opening shot of this film we we tried to count the deaths in this movie and then the first scene you 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 clicked like five or six right away it's like saving private ryan it just skyrockets from there Yes, but, the only comic book movie I can honestly think to compare this to is 2005 Sin City. Of course, yeah. As far as look, pastiche, and sheer violence. Yeah. And, and even... tits! <laughs> oh, yeah. That, 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 that nighty that Madonna wears in that one seat? Oh, oh, yeah. Boy, this is a Disney movie, kids. <laughs> a Disney movie. It had a Roger Rabbit short. But uh, Sin City is a good comparison to make because, like, I'm looking at sort of the original character drawings in the comics. And Dick Tracy looks a lot like Marv. Like, he's got yes. that angular jaw. and It's, it's the square ca- jaw. It's that square jaw. It's perfect. Yeah. And then you put Warren Beatty in that costume, and it it doesn't work. Something about Warren Beatty in the Dick Tracy costume just doesn't work for me. No, it looks silly. Yeah. And part of it is, you know, the banana yellow uh coat and hat which honestly is a, is a fun design choice like they they specifically decided to cult to make the entire film look like the comic strip using only the seven colors that they used in the comics which means everything is yellow or red or blue or black or white or green 
There's some purple in there too. Isn't there's there? a little, there's a little bit of purple in there too, but like, so yeah, mumbles is in purple. Mumbles. That's it. But so the one thing I'll say for this movie, it looks fantastic. It, the production is great. Like the cityscapes are beautiful. The cinematography is great. The makeup is oh, fucking horrifying. Yes. I, um, and it's, yeah, they use a lot of map paintings and, but they look like map paintings, but they're supposed to. And there's, it, it creates a very lush and surreal environment. Actually, my husband pointed out, he's the, the thing that he kind of thought resembled it most closely, it would be monkey bone. Ooh, that's a good call. Yeah. As far as the way the, the map paintings were used and the, the set color choices. Yeah. So. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So, but then <laughs> we're struggling to, to to get find an end to talk about this album because there's so much other stuff circling around it, and just it's a maelstrom of awful. <laughs> yes, it opens with um, with Madonna singing "I Always Get My Man." Yes, uh, which let's just go ahead and play a clip there. Sure. Editor's note: the song we were thinking of was in fact "Sooner or Later." Okay, let's go to a clip. Now, Madonna plays Breathless Mahoney, a, uh, I guess, nightclub singer who mm. wears a lot of slinky dresses, and that's about it. It's Stephen Sondheim is really wasted on her because she's got about a four-note range. Yeah. I mean, she's she sounds a lot like Tina Carlisle in The Mask. Yes. That's which basically who she is. Yeah, actually, The Mask is another kind of good comparison to this as far as looks go. We're four years out from the swing revival, um, which we'll talk about as we as we get to the soundtrack. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And that might be why, I mean, this movie was a box office success, but by Disney standards, by Batman standards, it was considered a flop. Yeah, and there's some funny, like, wonky math related to that, too. Mm-hmm. So Disney only wanted the film to cost $25 million. And the stipulation was any any spending over that came right out of Beatty's paycheck. Well, Warren Beatty spent like $47 million. <laughs> and then Disney had to match that to market the fucking movie. So the movie only made like $100 million back. And that's about how much they spent on the whole thing. So it really wasn't that big of a moneymaker for them at all. Yes. Um, and especially by the fact that does anybody really remember this film? Oh, you no. sort of have vague memories of it. But. Uh, yeah, I remember, like I remember the toys as a kid, and I remember the the icon, the iconography, the look of it. But I don't, I did not remember any of this movie. Yeah, my husband was like, "Oh yeah, I had all the toys." So my husband's I, a big toy collector. I, I had, I remember, I had the Dick Tracy action figure with like the the nightstick, and I had the wrist radio. Yes, the little toy wrist radio, and I remember getting my nose smashed in because I was hiding behind a door playing Dick Tracy one day as a kid. Oh boy. Oh Joe. And I never played with it again. Oh. <laughs> till you got an Apple Watch, which is basically a Dick Tracy. Yeah. It, the uh his two way radio did inspire uh sort of the first cell phones. Yeah. That is a true story. Eat shit Star Trek. Yeah. So so Madonna is singing in this nightclub. This is run by a guy named Lips. 
Lips Manless. Yes. <laughs> who is the most dis- it's tough to pick who the most disgusting villain is because shot up in the club before by flat top is a guy named little face. My husband wanted me to point out little face. Little face is horrifying and upsets me deeply. Yeah. He has a little face. It's really upsetting. (laughs) He looks, he looks like the ginger dead man. Yes. (laughs) I'll put up a comparison between little face and the ginger dead man later. Yeah, it just really, really deeply upsets me. Everybody in this film makes me uncomfortable. But also, the other like messed up thing about this movie is you have some huge stars in the movie under ridiculous heavy makeup that like renders them unrecognizable. Yes. It took me forever to be like, is that? Ian's like, that's Dustin Hoffman. Like, it is Dustin Hoffman. It's like, that's Dustin Hoffman. That's Paul Sorvino. That's Buffalo Bob from Silence of the Lambs. Like, <laughs> ugh. Paul Sorvino, star of uh, Mindville. The worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, boy. Yeah, locally made, too. Um, There's a funny story about that, but that's for another day. And then the ridiculous prosthetics on Madonna. Just give me a break. Yes. That was a joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Madonna. Um, I I actually like her in the movie. It's just her singing's not my favorite. Oh, she's terrible. I can't. Oh. We'll get into Breathless Mahoney a little while. But so Dick Tracy shows up to do something. I don't even remember. Dick he sh- Tracy. He shows he shows up for work that day. That's what he does. Yes. He sounds like John Mulaney impersonating Dick Tracy. I don't know <laughs> what's going on with Warren Beatty in this movie. He looks bored the entire time. Yes. Like you're directing a movie based on the, your favorite comic book for, as a child. And you could not be more bored by that. Yes. And he's just, again, he's doing like a weird thing with his voice. He sounds like a parody. He does. So, but what has happened here is that Al Big Boy Caprice, played by Al Pacino and a lot of cocaine. Hooah! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) He's like the critic's version of Al Pacino. Like when they would do Al Pacino in like Scent of a Wolfman on The Critic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how they do it. Everybody's impression of Al Pacino sounds like this. Yes, and he does it for 90-something minutes. <laughs> and he never lets up. So he has taken Lips and Breathless to a warehouse. He's kidnapped them, and he makes Lips sign over the nightclub, and in he goes to the bath, also known as a cement jacket. It is a scene that deeply upset my husband. Again, this is a children's movie. We are 10 minutes into the film. Gruesome, horrifying murders happen in this film. Yes. At the same time, uh, Dick Tracy. Oh, oh. I want to point out during the scene, the scene where he he goes to investigate the murder. He leaves an opera for two minutes, (laughs) looks at the murder scene and says, oh, yeah, that was big boy's job. Or that was Big Boy's doing. He goes Get straight those back to the, and... He comes in, does his job, and goes straight back to the opera. It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. That's actually, that's a very, very funny transition. So he is at the opera with Tess Trueheart, who yes. is played by... Played by uh, the late, great uh, Glenn Headley, who... Yes. If you've, ne- if you've ever seen uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, she's wonderful in that movie. She is spectacular. She's wasted here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As is everyone. Uh, and while they are walking home, they see a kid run out, and he has a wallet 
that he has stolen from nobody in particular, it seems. And he runs. Dick Tracy goes uh, to follow him. He finds sort of a Fagin-esque character that is mean to the kids, so he beats him up. Yeah, and I love the like the long shot of Dick Tracy beating this guy up. It's like a matte painting of the city. And then in the foreground, you see the shack that they're in just bobbing back and forth as he kicks this guy's ass. Yes, but again, remember, Dick Tracy is a cop and yes. shouldn't be doing that. But also, but, it's a ch- but this is like one of the rare moments where it remembers it's a children's film because it's goofy as shit. Yes, yeah, it is. He is a cop and this is way out of line. Yeah, and he does not play by the rules. Right. At all. It's kind of nice, though, because occasionally they're like, you can't do that. And he's like, eh. yeah, okay. So, um, and here's where we get our first song. This is My Lucky Day, and it is playing in the diner. Now, the stuff on the OST plays on radios, diners, and in the car. Yes. There's also a lot of songs on the OST that are not actually in the film. Which is insane, because they're great. We'll talk about some of those uh, at the end. But yes, this is Some Lucky Day, uh, written and performed by uh, Andy Paley, who was the producer. Let's go to a clip. I knew it right away, soon as I heard you say you love me. You are my lucky charm, with you here on my arm. Nothing can do me harm. Fun fact about Andy Paley, he grew up near Albany. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's not far from me. That's cool. So here's another. I have so many fun facts about Andy Paley. Uh, after the breakup of his band, the Paley Brothers, which was him and his brother Jonathan, he performed with Jonathan Richman. Really? Yes, who's featured in uh, one of our more recent episodes, There's Something About Mary. So for our thoughts on Jonathan Richmond, please see that episode. Yes. But yeah, he ended up uh, being a session musician for Madonna, Katie Lang, who's on this album, Jerry Lee Lewis, also on this album, Brenda Lee, Elton John, really kind of a a very in-demand session musician, Mm multi-instrumentalist, quite a genius. Uh, Now this song... These were all sort of stylized to be... The film takes place in 1938, so they're stylized to be like that. This is one of the better style versions. not one of my favorite songs, but style-wise, if you didn't know better, you would absolutely think that this was a song from 1938. Yeah, it's a good facsimile. Yeah, it's an easy, light little pop song. And it doesn't have like that sort of slick modern veneer. Some of them do. This mm-hmm. one, it it sounds exactly like it just came right out of 1938 that your grandma would have listened to it when she was young. Oh yeah. So. And I the note that I wrote it for this and a lot of the Andy Paley like produced songs on this OST, a lot of these songs just have that sound of like Disney in the early nineties when they were trying to court that that weird nostalgia market for like thirties and forties stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I could totally hear this song playing in the Hollywood studios theme park. Cause that was the whole vibe they were trying to reach with that park was like trying to remind you of night, you know, Hollywood in the 1930s and this yes. stuff, this kind of music would just play throughout the park. Mm-hmm. Now this is track five on the OST. Yes. So we're keeping track. Uh, but yeah, this one is, as I said, it's, it's not a standout, 
but it's a good solid representation right. of what else you're going to hear on this. So, mm-hmm. and I, I, I love that they were still trying, they were doing the 1930s, 40s thing ahead of, of that era that would have a, you know, this big breakout as we're going to see in the mask in 1994 and then in swingers in 1996. Yeah. And I think the difference between this and those is this feels, I don't want to say pure, but it feels like a, a more genuine attempt to replicate that sound. Yeah, they're not trying to add in like punk or ska. This is like this is a straight replica. Right. This isn't like the cool version for the '90s. Yes. So agreed. And there, there's something kind of again, I'll say it. There's something kind of pure about that. Like I can get behind this a little bit more. Yeah. Something about it, it just just kind of makes me happy, which feels weird to say. Yeah. It's it's a very upbeat soundtrack. Yes. It's a lot of fun, which is weird because again, the movies absurdly violent and dark just grim yeah yeah so it's got this like some lucky day soundtrack going on so he leaves tess with the kid because of course she's a lady and he's got man things to do excuse me she's a dame (laughs) (laughs) my friend mike beeman said never trust a dame and to this day i'm still trying to figure out like am i a dame I don't know. I always kind of thought of myself as a broad. <laughs> I do love the moment where the uh, the kid says uh, of, of Tess, uh, oh, she's a dame. I don't like dames. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're eight. Like, who told you? Who taught you that word? Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, boy. But um, I was all I could think of um, because Dick Tracy notices that there are walnuts at the scene and apparently big boy caprice loves walnuts i don't know if that's again child slang for just pure fucking cocaine but he loves walnuts there's walnut shells all over the scene and he goes to pick some up but he also takes a diamond earring and all i could hear was judge doom's voice in the back of my head saying is this man removing evidence from the scene of a crime because he gives the detective some walnuts, but he takes the earring. Mm, yeah. So. Which will come to pl- into play later. Yes. Now, I mentioned this to you off mic, but I'm going to say it here. Okay. Uh, Big Boy Caprice, I really just wanted him to be Richard Kind. <laughs> just like more than anything. Yeah. It's it's weird that it's Al Pacino and that he goes so hard in the, as this character. I don't think he's ever gone harder into anything. Oh, No. <laughs> but like with this being a Disney production, like you, yeah, like a Richard Kind performance would really kind of even this thing out. I think. Yeah, and I don't know. I think part of it's just that like I've just seen Richard Kind in a lot of stuff. Like he was on, um, I was watching Kroll Show. He was on that. He's in the third season of Brockmire. Like everything, I I'm just like, oh hey, it's Richard Kind. I feel like he's like following me around, or we're best friends, or something. So <laughs> he just has a nice face. Um, so he has kidnapped breathless and is forcing her to sing and dance in his club so that we get the first renditions of more and this will be a running theme because this movie loves this song oh my god it this is the um too much of a good thing yeah too much of a good thing (laughs) (laughs) of dick tracy uh that's mandy patankin playing the piano yeah i I, like 88 keys is his name 88 keys that's right i while i appreciate that big boy knows what he wants in a show and that he's a hands-on director he also slaps breathless across the face so i'm not okay with that 
obviously. And, and on the butt, too. Like, he slaps her everywhere. <laughs> I thought he slapped the other girl on the butt. Oh, I might have missed, missed seeing Yeah, there's that. a lot of showgirls. There's a lot of butt slapping. It wouldn't surprise me. It's though. like a locker room. Of course. Boys will be boys, you know. Yeah. So. Especially around the ladies. Especially big boys. <laughs> Jeez. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, this and movie then, has uh, broken me. Yeah, I know. And I don't... I, I have to imagine my parents took little me to see this because they had all kinds of Dick Tracy toys and stuff, but I don't think I would have sat for this. Yeah, did you? You must have blocked it. I I must have. That's a, a repressed memory. I still haven't recovered yet. Yeah, well, because I bought this soundtrack. I don't even remember where or when. I probably during my neo swing phase mm-hmm. and probably a last vestige, but um, I didn't see the movie. God, I. Must have seen the movie probably in about 2006 or 2007. Because I remember watching it with my friend Jason at my apartment on my tiny TV. And mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't remember anything about it then either. But yeah, I mean, I've, like I said, I've, I've only seen this movie twice. But I've listened to the soundtrack obsessively, so. Mm, yeah. So after, so Mumbles gives up Big Boy. Yeah. And says he's taken over the club. It's now the Club Ritz. And which, it's not even like it's a hidden club. It's just like, Club Ritz! Like, yeah, something, something screwy is going on over at that Club Ritz. I want to I get in there and see what's making it tick. Yeah. But, uh, but that scene is great, though, because like as he's, as he's mumbling all the stuff, like, you look over at the stenographer and she's like, uh, what do I type? <laughs> did you notice who the stenographer is played by? I did not. It's Kathy Bates. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <Love> <laughs> At some point in here, supposedly Catherine O'Hara plays like Big Boy's girlfriend. I missed it. I saw I saw her name, but I couldn't spot her. Yeah, it's a blink and you miss it casting. It's like I I was thinking about this. So like, let's take Little Face. Okay. You go into wardrobe. You go into makeup. You're in that makeup chair for ten hours. Mm-hmm. Go in, you film your scene, you fake your death, and then you must come out like, okay, well I'll be back tomorrow, right? And they're like, oh no. That was oh. no. That wasn't the last scene of the film. That was the first scene. We don't need you anymore. Like, <laughs> how worthless that must feel. That's that's a rough feeling. Yeah. So Dick Tracy goes over there. Uh, big boy is like, it's just a nightclub, and then it's just he, a nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> uh He eats some walnuts. He's like, so I like walnuts. He's kind of like Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, <laughs> I love walnuts. Do, I like you, walnuts. Do you, do you love walnuts? Who doesn't love walnuts? <laughs> then Christ. he goes into Breathless's dressing room, and she comes out in a negligee. Yes. You can see nipples. I'm not talking about like you can see like the bumps, like you can see the full breast. It's a full see-through little number. Yes, you could see everything. Again, this opened with a Roger Rabbit cartoon. I just cannot emphasize this enough this was a children's film it had mcdonald's toys (laughs) if i could sum up this film in six words it would be madonna tits in a disney film yes (laughs) just the whole breast (laughs) right there she's drinking champagne she sounds really drunk Mm -hmm. um she is just extremely she is the horniest person i've ever seen in my life and her relationship with Tracy stems from the fact that like he wants her to come in and rat Caprice out, but yes. she's, she's hesitant. 
and it's not entirely clear why, but you know, he might kill her, but she keeps coming to Dick Tracy with this offer that she'll come in and, and snitch on uh, big boy. But then it's just like, she never does. And it's a him and her kind of cat and mouse game that they play. And uh, what the fuck is she doing? Well, I think you know what she's doing. And actually, why don't you uh, why don't you clarify this? This whole movie is basically like one long sex game between Warren Beatty and Madonna. And it, it's basically foreplay on screen, right? That's basically yes. what they're doing. In a children's movie. In yes. a children's movie. And I think the reason that makes me uncomfortable is do what you want to do in your private life in the bedroom. Don't make me a part of it. <laughs> yeah. Don't make we me do pay. not consent to this. Don't make me pay $10 to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, un- and it gets more uncomfortable as the film progresses. Cause it, she, he says something about like, I want to sweat you under the lights. And she's like, I sweat better in the dark. And she's got champagne to her lips. And it's just like, ugh. and she actually later brings champagne to his office. Like breathless. You might have a drinking problem. <laughs> It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's it's nine a.m. on a Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> but again, she's just she's and horny for him for no other reason other than that he's Dick Tracy and also her boyfriend. Exactly, exactly. And the, like one of the one of the conflicts in the movie is that Dick Tracy can't seem to commit to Tess Trueheart. Like he wants to ask her to marry him, but he just he's can't married do it. to the job. He's married to the job. He doesn't want to take a desk job and settle down because... Because he can't beat people up that way. Yeah. <laughs> or He can't or, commit uh, acts of police brutality from behind a desk. No, absolutely not. And so, like, on the one hand, he wants to be with Tess, but he just can't make himself do it. And then Breathless wants to be with him, but he realizes he loves Tess. So he can't do that either. It's a mess. Yes. I mean, actually, it's but, it's fine. It works, whatever. But just ugh, the fact I mean, that it it's Warren but... Beatty and Madonna, and like I know the fact that they were together during the movie. And they're probably that's... fucking in their dressing rooms, and it's just like, ew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said he was like one of the best lovers she's ever had. So I'll pause while you throw up. <laughs> <sighs> I, see, now I need to start drinking. <laughs> So, but actually, we actually have our next song coming up here. Please. Um, yes. So we've got uh, Al Jarreau singing a rompin' and stompin'. This is it playing on the radio in Dick Tracy's apartment. Let's go to a clip. When that old man trouble starts to get you down And the blue sky's turning gray When they start that rhythm and they go to town They'll be chasing your blues away Robin, Robin, stop and I'm Robin Now, okay, this is the song that I could not identify Yes, I know Al Jarreau's voice anywhere That's right. man's pure yacht rock <laughs> Yeah, okay um, Dick Tracy has decided to basically take in the kid and ra- not raise him yet, but just sort of give him a place to stay. And the kid is sleeping in Tracy's bed, and Tess is sleeping on the couch. And it's, oh, it's so adorable. Yeah, everyone's playing house. But um, this song, again, stylistically perfect. In the liner notes, Paley says that 
Uh, the track for Rompin' and Stompin' was cut in London with the Derek Wadsworth Orchestra and reminds me of English records from the 30s. Al Jarreau picked up on that feeling and his unique style fits the song like a glove, which I couldn't agree with more. Al Jarreau just has the most buttery vocals. If you're having a bad day, honestly, put on anything. Put on Morning, put on uh, Closer to Your Love, put on We're in This Love Together. He is, he just lifts your spirits. Mm-hmm. Just his voice is just so buttery and beautiful and perfect. Oh yeah, it's so. it's fantastic. Yeah, and the the female vocals uh really really elevate it again to that like that very 1930s radio. Yeah, the backup singers. Yeah, singing like the doot doots. The bridge goes a little weird, I'm not going to lie. It goes to like I'm not quite sure. I don't know as much about 1930s music as I should. I feel like the bridge isn't quite period, but maybe it is. It just goes a little strange. It's forgivable. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's all pastiche at this point, so yes, it's it's yes. fine and it's it's perfectly entertaining and I enjoy it. <laughs> yes, I I do like it, and I like I said, I wish we got a little a little more of of this stuff because it's it's much more interesting than the Madonna tracks. Yeah, it, it really is. A, I mean, a lo- little Madonna goes a long way here, and like there's two or three pretty good ones on that album, but uh, and they're they're in the film too. But uh, I, I I just I'm more drawn to the OST because it's it's a little bit more it's more upbeat and it's just more fun. Yeah, this is a fun and, album. Yeah, and the the Sondheim stuff, I God love him. It just doesn't quite fit as well as what Andy Paley wrote. Right, they kind of knew that this was going to be sort of a lark, and and it reflects that in the music, like but mm-hmm. the Madonna stuff. I don't, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, we got Vogue out of it, so, I mean, it's it's a wash, really. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so they, ha- they have a day with the kid. They buy him ice cream and a little suit, and then goons shoot up Tessa's place. Mm-hmm. So, oh, no, they're after Dick Tracy. Oh, no. And then Tess, like, she doesn't leave yet, but she kind of stomps off in a, in a fuss because, you know, we can't have a kid in this environment, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Justifiably. Then we get, uh, you know, Breathless showing up again, unbearably horny in what appears to be Elvira, Mistress of the Dark cosplay. Yeah, really? Like, what is this? Shows up carrying champagne, pours a glass, and he drops the earring in it. Says, mm-hmm. basically, I know you were at the docks that night uh, when they gave Lips the bath. Um, and she's like, You think I'm a cheap floozy? And it's like, Um, you are. Yeah, uh, yeah you clearly are. And it's it's fun because like he's she's trying to hit on him so hard and he just wants her to talk. Really? Again, <laughs> aggressively horny. Mm-hmm. And like to I mean, I can get pretty thirsty. Anyone who's listened to me over on the Shadow Shield knows that. Um but like I've never been like I've never shown up at like Walton Goggins house in like an Eglache yet. Only because of COVID restrictions. <laughs> yet dot 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 yet. <laughs> Just saying it's probably going to happen. <laughs> and Big Boy kills some more guys. Yeah. And I think I put, I got in my notes here. This is where um, uh, the Andy Paley song, Now I'm Following You, plays. Or is that, hang on. I think that's a Madonna song. That's a Madonna? Well, shit. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, that's where, that's, that's the Madonna song. Yes. Which for some reason is broken up into two parts on, on the album. Yes. Again, it makes no sense except somewhere in Stephen Sondheim's mind. Now, I do want to point out. Uh, I actually got to sit in on a talk 
with Stephen Sondheim at the Glimmerglass Festival, mm-hmm. and he is a delightful human being. He is just pure magic. He did not talk about the Dick Tracy soundtrack. That's a shame. <laughs> yes, I should have asked him, but um, the, we, uh, the Glimmerglass Festival was doing Sweeney Todd that year in a very poorly reviewed production. Oh, It got ripped to shreds. It was that's, not good. Yeah. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, it was... And and the Glimmerglass Festival is a nationally renowned theater festival, and we, it got eaten alive. <laughs> I felt bad because I really wanted to see it. They're like, it's lifeless and dull, and upgrading it to the fifties made no sense. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, nice. yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot to say about Stephen Sondheim. Like a lot of his stuff is hit or miss for me. Yeah. So you take it or leave it, really. Also, another good character that John Mulaney plays. John Mulaney plays him on um, uh, Documentary Now in the uh, co-op, the cast recording. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I love John Mulaney. (laughs) I forgot about that. Honestly, John Mulaney needs to do a bit on Dick Tracy because I feel like he would kill it. Yeah, he he would do a whole bit about how this was an important movie to him as a child. And now, oh, my God, look at this. I mean, that's. This We're was doing... a children's movie, is how I'd say it is weird. <laughs> John Mulaney voice. He'll, Please come will, on my podcast, John Mulaney. I love you. He will distill this entire episode into like a five-minute set. <laughs> I know. We won't get any credit, and he won't go out with me. So here we have the arrival of a new character, the blank. The blank. And the blank is not happy. Oh, I don't the... remember what the blank does. I just have a note that says the blank. The blank is not happy, and the blank is going to, uh, as Batman would put it, rattle the cages. Yes. Yeah, so next we get, uh, probably, I know it's my favorite, I assume it's yours. Uh, well, Dick Tracy is getting dressed, we hear Katie Lang with Take Six singing Ride the Rails on Dick Tracy's radio. Let's go to a clip. Oh boy, is my game, B&O's my middle name. I'm gone with that whistle wails, and that's why I'm riding the rails. Hoboken, York, PA, 60 seconds is all I'll stay. Keeps me out of county jails, and that's why I'm riding the rails. Now, this is the first song on the album. Yes, which is a great way to start an album. Yes, and as I, as I started the album, I was on my way to work, or rather, I'm sorry, on my way home from work, I was already having a bad day. And as soon as this started, like, I just, a smile came across my face, and I just, Everything was just better. Yes. It's Katie Lang is so beautiful and so amazing. And her voice is just like velvet. Mm-hmm. And this song has everything. It is catchy. It is sensual. It is odd because it's about being a hobo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little polished for the era. Like I don't, this one to me doesn't seem like it would quite fit. Fit. I see what they're trying to do with the uh, with take six, mm-hmm. but it like have that sort of again like commercial feel, which we'll hear in, in other songs done a little better. It's it's a little incongruous. It's so good. It sounds so crisp. It's odd to hear it sound that good because you think of the '30s song and you think of like really tinny yeah. um, sounds, and this is just very crisp and clean and just perfect. And it's not helped by the fact that this song got the music video. Yes, an incredibly <laughs> upsetting music video. I'm not gonna lie. Well, it's it's a nobody it's looks a, good. <laughs> it, well, it, well, it's the whole thing is like a McDonald's commercial. Yes, and they've got those bright colored suits. 
and there's movie footage of all those horrible makeup jobs, but they're performing their hearts out, and it's just fun. I yeah, can't really fault it too much. Yeah, this one, it's again, it's a little, it's a little heavy on the pastiche, but it's an absolute stunner of a song. Um, now, take six is uh, again, it's an acapella gospel sextet, but I don't hold that against them. Yeah, you don't see too many of that nowadays, do you? Nope. So I deeply hate acapella music. Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. So I, uh, but this actually had instruments. So I'm like, okay, we'll allow it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an accompaniment. It's 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 like yes. the girl. It's like the the backup girls in the last song we covered. Yes, it, exactly. It so I, um, and from here, uh, flat top kidnaps Dick Tracy, and Big Boy offers him a whole bunch of money that they can work together. It looks like Dick Tracy's going to be on the take. The kid has followed them. And Dick Tracy says, no, he's not that kind of cop, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't buy for a second. And <laughs> Big Boy says, in his stupid voice, like, you have just said goodbye to oxygen. Okay, boys, do it. <laughs> you have just said goodbye to oxygen. You silly, stupid cop. And they turn on all the boilers, and um, kid comes to his rescue, and then gets made an honorary detective. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just have this image in my head of of big boy like talking like Bernie Sanders all of a sudden. <laughs> I am once again asking you to say goodbye to oxygen. <laughs> I would love to see a version of Dick Tracy where Bernie Sanders plays the villain. Not that I dislike Bernie Sanders, but I think he'd do a good job. So yeah, the kid saves Dick Tracy's life. Yeah, you're right. The, uh, Dick Tracy's like, ah, you're all right, kid. And then... Um, you're swell. And they, they give him like a badge and they're like, they make him an honorary detective, but it sounds like they're going to like give him a full certificate and he has to choose a name. And it's just like, I think this is a little much. Like, I think the cops around here just like give you a fake badge and are like, way to go, kid. <laughs> no, they're just trying to figure out what his actual fucking name is. <laughs> I guess, but it's just like... You know, when they give you, like, your little junior wings on the plane when you're a good boy or girl, you don't get to fly the fucking plane. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Little, little, uh, he's a little crime stopper now. Not that he's going to actually get a badge and a gun. He's going to get a badge, though. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. So. It's it's a sticker, okay? I guess. I guess. But they're like, they make a big ceremony of it. Um, The DA. Played by Dick Van Dyke? Oh, yeah. He's in on it. Oh, he's so in he's on the gonna, take. Yeah. He's going to shut the investigation down. There's a scene where Caprice uh, berates him in a, in a graveyard, which is a, a great little a little scene. Where he just streams in his face, I own you. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and it's a graveyard that uh, looks very reminiscent, or I guess not really reminiscent, but very uh, style-wise what they would do later in Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah. It's the same kind of shots in there. You're, you're not saying Tim Burton saw this film and stole some of its tricks, are you? Probably. I mean, he probably did. We then get uh, the third appearance of Horny Mahoney. Oh, yeah. And she says she says a line that I think backs up your your theory. Oh, That this yeah. is just a sex game. I'm not even going to say it. Just put uh, the line in. Tess and the kid are out going out for ice cream, and he hear, Tracy hears a knock on the door and he thinks they're back. And he's like, oh, what kind of ice cream did you get? And then 
Madonna says the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in a Disney film. What kind of ice cream did you get? Fresh peach. Better eat it right away. It's starting to run a little. <laughs> Especially considering that, well, I know what she's getting at. She's talking about her vagina. Um, peach has a different connotation these days. Yeah. The peach emoji, for those of you who don't know, implies a butt. <laughs> Take from that what you will. Now, I have two jokes ready for this, and one of them is very R-rated and one of them is very stupid. Which one do you want to hear? Let's go with the R-rated. Okay. Well, if the peach emoji means the butt and she says what she says, all I can think is that she really needs to lay off the Chipotle. (laughs) But while this is happening, hold on. Hold on, I'm going to get this. Gross. (laughs) <laughs> so while this is playing, we get uh, Blue Nights, which is sung by Tommy Page. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was written in like a Rudy Valley style. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a sleeper. It it keeps weaving in and out of almost becoming somewhere over the rainbow. Yes, and uh, I, that's it, actually really really good. It makes it. it makes me uncomfortable because like. You can tell they're trying to go there, and then they're like, oh, wait, that's a different studio. We're going to get sued. Pull up. Pull up. Yeah. And it's oh, not I, my favorite song. No. It's, as I said, it's a little soft. It's a little... I, I don't love his voice. Uh, he did tour with uh, New Kids on the Block, mm-hmm. um, and he died by suicide in 2017. Oh, no. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah. Leaving behind a husband and three children. Um, wow. But... Uh, yeah, kind of a bummer. I mean, should we play a little bit of that just so we... Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so you can kind of hear it, like, at least... At least at the beginning, it starts to go into uh, somewhere over the rainbow, and then it just kind of veers out of it again. Yeah, and I I like his voice. It's kind of smoky. Yeah. But there's something about it. While they were trying to go for that Rudy Valley sound, it just there's something that sounds a little too modern. I keep thinking, like, Chris Isaac. Mm, yeah, I like it's that. just Yeah, it's just not quite where it needs to be. So... Uh, this is one of, of the OST's kind of mm, flops. Yeah. He tells Breathless that he'd protect her 24 hours a day, so I guess he's going to borrow some of the Big Boy's cocaine. He must. Some of those walnuts, you mean? Yeah. Walnuts. <laughs> um, she kisses him without his consent. Again, no means fucking no. And, of course, Tess comes in and, you know, and she says, like, I bet she does some nifty undercover work. She means, like, the bed sheets. Oh, she means under the sheets. Yeah, she's being shady. Again, it's a children's film. That is that is the t- the tamest sexual innuendo in the entire movie. Too. Exactly. That's the most PG friendly. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That's one for mom and dad. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd love to have some kid like who saw this as a child. This film's twenty years old now. So some kid who's maybe, let's say, thirty something years old. So you know, saw it when they were ten, twelve. Yeah. Go back and watch this and be horrified <laughs> at just how fucking filthy and violent it is. 
or worse still, like some kid who saw it at just that right moment in time where like this unlocked something for them. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, God. So if it wasn't Jessica Rabbit, it was going to be Breathless Mahoney. I got a thing for Tiny Face. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Oh, God. Probably. I don't know. I don't even want to know what kind of Dick Tracy porn exists out there. Good God. Would it just be called Dick Tracy? Shut up. (laughs) I hate you. Oh. Um, So there's a raid on the club while Breathless sings sooner or later. Yes. Now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't this win the Oscar that year for Best Original Song? Yes, it did. There this we go. This won the Oscar. And here are the songs that it beat for that honor. Blaze of Glory by Bon Jovi in Young Guns 2. Fair. Uh, Shel Silverstein's I'm Checking Out from Postcards from the Edge. Mm-hmm. Harry Connick Jr.'s Promise Me You'll Remember from The Godfather Part 3. And then John Williams, Somewhere in My Memory from Home Alone. Oh, really? If you don't Somewhere in My Memory? Yep. Oh. I didn't even know this song existed until this week. So that shows you how good the Academy is at picking long-lasting songs, I guess. Yes. Well, this film actually garnered seven Academy Award nominations. It won Best Original Song, Best Makeup, and Best Art Direction. It is tied with Black Panther. Wow. Yes. So, um, and this yeah. song, uh, this song was apparently covered in a, a recent episode of that show Riverdale, which is oh, just which is which, like Dick Tracy, is a gritty uh, update of an old uh, family comic book from whenever that whenever uh, Archie and Jughead came out. <sighs> I'm so old. Yeah, everything old and crappy is new and edgy again, and I hate it. Sex Archie. <laughs> Shout out to our friends at Sex Archie. So, uh, yeah, so she's singing this. Um, again, it's just a horny song about how sooner or later uh, she's going to get her man. And here is one that I couldn't figure out. I couldn't quite hear it. It's playing in the diner after the raid. And I think that it's Pep, Vim, and Verve by uh, by Andy Paley. Yes, you are correct. Yes. So I'm amazing. So let's let's go to a clip of Pep Vim and Verve. And ginger, Pep Vim and Verve will carry the day. If you're afraid to greet the dawn because of what may follow, raise your chin, puff out your chest, then take a deep breath and swallow. Now you got Pep Vim and Verve, Zing Zip and Ginger. When you listen to this, was this song stuck in your head for the rest of the goddamn week? Oh, good lord, yes. <laughs> It's a real earworm. It's just, it's such a fun uh, uh, phrase to sing to. Pep, Vim, and Verb. I just love it. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> it has, again, like that sort of like toothpaste advertising jingle sound to it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of reminds me a little bit stylistically of um, You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile from Annie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So again, you got like the, the female uh, backup singers taking a verse. Um, I had to look up. There's a, a line about like let's win one for the Gipper. Oh, jeez. It's it's a an era appropriate reference, which I appreciated. Uh, George Gipp, who uh was a football player who died at age 25 of strep pneumonia, which yeah, you know yeah. we had 
we have antibiotics for that. Now, uh, this is three weeks after uh, Notre Dame beat Northwestern. He supposedly his last words were win one for the Gipper. Now, uh, he was later played by Ronald Reagan. The actor? Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. He, <laughs> he later used it as a campaign slogan, as did both Bushes, which means I hate it. And uh, to tie everything back to Dick Tracy, apparently somebody at Disney really wanted Ronald Reagan to play Pruneface. And no. Warren Beatty would have absolutely none of that. Yes, Warren Beatty <laughs> is... Really kind of your typical Hollywood liberal. He really is, yeah. And as we're both very liberal ourselves, but Hollywood liberals are like a different sort of weird breed. Yeah, they're like a cartoon parody of liberals. Yeah, exactly. And Warren Beatty's the king of them. So, um, yeah, this sounds like an ad for caffeine pills, Mm -hmm. which I love. (laughs) It does. This is another one of those songs that I could definitely hear playing at like some Disney theme park. Yes. In the background. Well, trying to sell you coca-cola products oh of course yeah like i will listen to this song and eat my turkey leg and have a grand old time (laughs) so in this scene tess tells tracy she's leaving good she should she should take the shit to reddit yeah (laughs) um but yeah so tess leaves to move and go back home to live with her mother and tracy leaves to go nab caprice or so he thinks yes because he's been lured to a, uh, a a greenhouse that he's told will be uh, a big hit for Big Boy Caprice's men, and instead he is uh, he's knocked out by the blank. Yes, but before this, there's, we actually have two songs uh, in the, this sequence. We get sooner or later, which mm-hmm. is again Madonna with Mandy Patinkin, and. Dick Tracy is just like struggling, like, oh, what am I going to do without Tess? I'm so sad. I'm a man. I can't do anything. Um, and oh, the Breathless sadness Mahoney. montage. Yeah. yeah, there's a sadness montage, of course. And then Breathless Mahoney is like, you want me? And he's like, no, he doesn't. He's made that like perfectly clear. Like, get over it. I'm sorry. And here we get the best scene in the whole film. Because it really just sums up the essence of Breathless Mahoney. Yeah. And the absurdity of everything, because she meets him in the park. She's not carrying champagne this time. Maybe she's an AA. Uh, so she basically tells him, and put in the, the full quote. Tell me you want me. If you do that, I'll do anything you say. How bad do you want, big boy? It's up to you. Tell me you want me. Tell me you want it all. But tell me now. So I want to translate that. That translates to... Tell me you're horny for me, or I will let Big Boy Caprice burn this city to the ground. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, breathless, there are other dudes. I there mean, really, other... like, are you gonna let the whole city burn because this one guy won't be like, yeah, you're hot. It's <laughs> gonna be my Twitter, like, like this picture, I will kill this dog. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's like, I will let this city go to hell. I will let Big Boy Caprice run roughshod over this entire town, kill as many people as he wants, if you won't fuck me. Just like, jeez. There are plenty of red-blooded men in this town who would say yes, but you want the one man who says no. Exactly. There's nothing Ugh. better than a guy who doesn't know you exist. In that moment, when Breathless is on the docks with him and she tells him, you know, tell me you want me the way I want you. In that moment, Tracy realizes he actually loves Tess. And so he leaves. Really? It took you that fucking long? Poor Tess. 
it's it's such a, a common story. Uh, he he doesn't realize what he has until he's offered something else. Yeah, exactly. Or... I guess he probably doesn't want her runny peach. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so okay, at the same time, uh, Tracy is so beholden to the law that he absolutely like, refuses to uh, adopt the kid the way that the kid wants him to, and the kid gets shipped off to the orphanage. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about the kid. Yeah, there that that's a whole plot that just kind of gets like dropped yeah of. which is weird again like i mean i, I guess because, i'm not sure i would leave a child with warren Beatty, but well because you you would think that like the, the the actual plot of the movie like the character arc of dick tracy is that he realizes that he has to be responsible for other people and not just murder criminals in the streets <laughs> right yeah and instead like oh no whoops he he says no kid i can't adopt you because the law won't let me yeah, I mean, the law won't let him murder criminals in the streets, but he still does that. That's true. But, you know, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of lawless criminals who murder people, uh, we get our next song as Dick Tracy is lured to the greenhouse. This is uh, Jerry Lee Lewis <laughs> singing, it was the whiskey talking, not me. Let's go to a clip. To make a scene, it's really not my style. I raised some cane and called some names. I guess I got myself a little wild. If I brag too loud and act too proud, don't blame old Jerry Lee. It was the whiskey talking, not me. I had my what? Jerry Lee Lewis murdered his wife. Uh, <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Well, he got away with it, but oh yeah, he totally straight up murdered his wife. She didn't, like, quote-unquote, die of an overdose. He straight-up killed her. Was that the wife that was actually, like, his underage cousin or something? No, I don't think so. I forget okay. which wife it was. Okay, so there's two wives. So there's, there's two crimes going on here. Okay, great. Yeah. Like I said, he's a lawless criminal. <laughs> sure. Yes. Uh, the note that, uh, that we have on this from our friend Andy Paley is, The great Jerry Lee Lewis liked his song, It Was the Whiskey Talking, Not Me, so much that he sang it twice. We've included both versions, even though only the Western swing version is in the movie. The song was tailor-made for him, and it was a great thrill to produce that out. So yes, there are two versions of this song. There's two versions of a couple uh, songs yeah. on here. So um, at the end of the album, we get... I um, the three, there's one called Mr. Fix-It by Darlene yeah. Love, which is not in the film. Um, we get, it was the Whiskey Talking, Not Me. And then we get uh, Dick Tracy, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah. So. <sighs> but uh, yeah, I, I actually, I can't decide which version of this song I like better. Because I honestly, they both sound really good to me. And I like, I enjoy them both a lot. I'm going to go with the Western Swing version. Yeah, kind I kinda, of too. It kind of has, it kind of reminds me of uh, In the Jailhouse now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of I kind of dig that. It definitely it hits that that area of homage really well. Mm -hmm. And it, like I said, I again I sort of didn't realize that this wasn't a Jerry Lee Lewis song. That's how good it sounds. It really was tailor made for him. Right. Yeah. So like I yeah, and I I kind of figured he had like they had pulled a an old song from that era for him to to cover. Exactly. Yeah. So nope. It, well, Andy Paley really is. A genius in so many ways yeah this is this is a remarkable soundtrack i uh, and as i said i'm kind of sad we don't get more of it in the film yeah because it's it's such a, a good um mix of genres from that era and it all kind of works together really well but it's just underrepresented in the final film yeah but, because um, they wanted to make it a musical for some reason a, a musical for children but also 
Uh, it's basically Batman, and I don't know. Or but Sin also, City, we haven't decided? Haven't really decided. But also, apparently there's there was a much longer cut of the film. Like, like the, originally it was going to be like two and a half hours. And Disney Release said, the Warren Beatty cut! Release the Beatty cut, damn it. But Disney was like, no, we have to have a film that we can sell to like summer audiences and play a shit zillion times. Cut this down, please. Yes, please. <laughs> cut your hyper-violent sex film down to a child length. <laughs> to a bite-sized length suitable for four-year-olds. <laughs> Cut my steak for me, please. <laughs> oh, no, you just, you just eat it with your hands like the kid. Well done with fucking ketchup like our goddamn president does. <laughs> Gross. Um, but yeah, in, in this scene, uh, Tracy's lured to a, a greenhouse and... Tess's greenhouse. Tess's greenhouse. And he gets gassed and knocked out by the blank. Yes, and, Again, Subse- and subsequently framed for murdering the DA. Which, again, the blank does. I'm just going to go ahead and note, the blank is Breathless Mahoney. Yeah. That's fucking insane. I it's... mean, like, I like Fred Armisen, but I'm not going to kill Carrie Brownstein and frame him for her murder. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, she's crazy. She's absolutely nuts. And she has her own, like, motives. Like, she's trying to also take down Big Boy Capri so she can take over the nightclub. And that's, like, that's what she's doing, right? Yes. And that that part is true to the character of Breathless Mahoney from the comics. She was fucking ruthless. Right. Uh, she's supposedly based on Veronica Lake. And, oh, really? Yes. All huh. of them were based on sort of other Hollywood types. Uh, okay. Obviously, like... Or or gangsters. I mean, I, Al Caprice. Sound familiar? Oh, mm, uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but she, Breathless, was, she was ruthless. She was greedy. She was a lot more hardcore than she is in this. And she didn't have a thing for Dick Tracy in the comics. Um, And she was not the blank. The blank was another character. Oh, okay. The, the two did not overlap. But again, wow. they figured we can only have two women in this film and one of them has to be horny. But we also need the blank. So, yeah. uh, hmm. The blank can't be like sex charge. So, hmm. I figured it out. The blank also has a thing for Dick Tracy. And it's not Breathless Mahoney. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> that would be amazing and also that a pretty reboot. would be an awesome twist, actually. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, so, boy. But with Dick Tracy in jail, crime is everywhere. The kid is in the orphanage. Also, he changes his name to Dick Tracy Jr. Oh. And also, in this crime spree, there's like a huge montage, um, which was set to another Stephen Sondheim song called Back in Business. Back in Business. completely unremarkable and not on the OST. Yeah, no. See? It's on, see also, I'm Breathless. It's on there. Yes. See, I would have gone with something like August Darnell's Wicked Woman, Foolish Man. Now, uh, see, that's that's the one song on the album that I could not find. Oh, um, that's too bad. I didn't get I couldn't get a physical copy in time, so I had to rely on YouTube. And that's the one song on this album that just does not exist on the Internet. Well, it's not in the movie, so we don't really have to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. I do just want to point out August Darnell is better known as uh, under his alias, which is Kid Creole of Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Really? Yes, that's August I Darnell. did not know that. Okay. That, learning that fact years later, because I'm a big fan of Kid Creole, uh, delighted me. Yes. This is not a particularly good song, but I like it 
if you think of it as a flip side to Patty Austin's The Confidence Man, because mm-hmm. she's essentially singing the same thing from a woman's point of view about how this guy just like woos her and then rips her off. And Patty Austin fucking kills it. It's probably my second favorite song on the album. Again, not using the movie, real waste of a, of a song. Yeah, um, really. And especially like, I always think of Patty Austin much more soft rock as things like, you know, um, Come to Me with James Ingram. But she fucking belts it on this one. She's amazing. Do, do you think they tried to limit the, the number of women on the so- soundtrack because they had a full Madonna soundtrack? Probably. They didn't want any actual singers competing with her. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, especially because they've also got Laverne Baker, Darlene Love, mm-hmm. and Brenda fucking Lee. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, which is who Madonna's trying to be. Mm-hmm. So, but um, in this, the blank has also kidnapped Tess. Yes. Which, right. again, is insane. And I, th- I think it's funny that the blank... Like whenever the the blank calls people to like lure them somewhere or, or demand money, the blank uses the same voice that Princess Leia uses to rescue Han Solo in Return of the Jedi. Or like one of the Gremlins, like little, Pie yeah, Billy. Yeah, I, I was really good. It would not surprise me if the blank was actually Howie Mandel. That would be amazing. Um, also, it's much more funny if, as you rethink this movie, you recast. Uh, Breathless as the Lady Gremlin from Gremlins 2. Oh, God. And she keeps <laughs> trying just... to hit on Dick Tracy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, It works. Wow. It kind of does. Yeah. She's all tarted up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he realizes he's not into that, and so he just wants Tess Trueheart back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, so here's where I get confused. Okay. Because we're in the big final scene, and she... So Breathless, or the blank, rather, because Breathless is singing on stage, but the blank has kidnapped Tess. But she's framing Big Boy, so it looks like he kidnapped Tess? Well, she's she's luring Dick Tracy to the nightclub under the guise of, ha- of having to rescue Tess so that yes. he will then attack Big Boy. Yes, but then Big Boy goes in and finds Tess, and he's like, I can't look like I kidnapped this dame. It's a federal offense. Like, let's back up for a second. Really, kidnapping's the line you draw, big boy. You're <laughs> yeah. running an extortion racket. You have murdered an untold number of people. We have run out of corpses here. <laughs> and you're just like, shoot, I can't kidnap this woman. I'll go to jail. <laughs> I, I think the calculation is, I can't have kidnapped Tess Trueheart because Dick Tracy will murder me. Which he does. Which he does. <laughs> no, the blank, technically the blank murders him. Uh, but, yeah. um... Well, this this is where the movie just straight up becomes Batman. <laughs> okay. Please go on. Because, because Dick Tracy is on the roof of the nightclub. He looks in the window and he sees Tess like tied up in a chair. And his first impulse is to just leap through the window like Batman. <laughs> and they shoot it like Batman jumping through the window. Mm-hmm. And then so it's ba- then from here on out, it's basically just a 30 minute shootout. There's an entire like montage where Dick Tracy and the entire police force are just shooting Tommy guns at a bunch of cars that explode like crazy. And it's sort of-, of like in UHF in the Rambo montage. Yes. It's exactly <laughs> like that. Like the Eiffel Tower blows up. Like he shoots all of the all of the goons in a line and they all fall down at the same time. Yep. 
It is absurd. But then uh, Big Boy Caprice makes off with Tess Trueheart. He escapes with her. He takes her to the tower. Again, this woman that he didn't think he wanted to kidnap because it's a federal offense. He takes her with him. That is the legal so, definition of kidnapping. Suddenly he has actually kidnapped her. <laughs> and he's taking her to a like the tower, the, the whatever you call the tower in like a, a drawbridge. But it's basically the bell tower fight from the end of Batman. Yes. Like, and almost directly. This, um, the score that's playing, those of you, like, you know, very, very close listeners will recognize that Danny Elfman later ripped off the string section entirely for pieces of the Christmas Eve montage and to the rescue in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Wow. The string section is, it's just a wholesale ripped off. Oh my God. Yeah. Three years later, he would recycle that. And remember, this is the soundtrack. This is the score that he finished over the phone. <laughs> so, which is, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful string section, but I was just like, that's the string section to the fight in Oogie Boogie's lair. Yeah. And I you can know, see it. Compo- composers uh, reuse music all the time. Uh, so it's, it's like, it's not that crazy. Really. But not that overtly. I mean, it really is like you cut that out and like pasted it in. Mm-hmm. It's not even like an homage or an echo. It's straight up, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's a really odd version of this that I can talk about. Uh, I was watching um, the film Leatherheads, the George Clooney football movie, you know? Yeah, I love that movie. And the music was done by Randy Newman. Oh, God. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> I, yeah. There but, was uh, a weird time where we were letting Randy Newman do everything. Just about, yeah. But... I was watching it, and then I realized, like, I've heard this song, like, this piece of music before. And I dig deep into the back of my brain. Randy Newman reused a piece of his Leatherhead score for the end, the final tearjerker moment from Toy Story 3. Yikes. The big moment from Toy Story 3 wasn't even original. He fucking ripped it off from a George Clooney football comedy. Well, he's just writing about things that he sees. Yeah. There's George George Clooney. (laughs) Throwing that football. <laughs> so, uh, I do like Caprice's sort of theory here, what he's acting on, which is I did not kidnap this woman, but I will straight up murder her. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. So, I mean, again, like, he's just running on adrenaline and I assume drugs because he's just so off the walls here. Oh, yeah. He is made of of pure cocaine at this point. Yes, he's just a rage monster. Um, and here the blank wants Dick Tracy to kill Big Boy. And the kid distracts the blank and Big Boy shoots her. And we get the big reveal that the blank is breathless. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Tracy has thrown Caprice over the edge into the, the cog work of the, of the, uh, the bridge. Again, a children's movie. A, a children's movie. <laughs> That is an incredibly gruesome death. Yeah. Um, And he still cheats on Tess because he kisses Breathless Mahoney. Like, your girlfriend's right there. She just got kidnapped. She almost got murdered. And you're going to kiss this other broad in front of her? What is wrong with you? A a broad, by the way, that she's already seen you kiss. Like, Yeah. And also, they kidnapped you. Yeah, so you can't even cop to, like, oh, well, she was dying. Like, no, there's something going on here. Yeah, exactly. Like, Dick Tracy, yeah, gross. Damn. Yeah, exactly. So, and then 
Yeah. And the final scene, Tracy finally asks Tess to marry him in his own way. While then running out on her to go dick trace, to go beat up some more people without reading them the Miranda rights. And presumably teaching the kid how to beat people up without reading them Miranda rights. Yeah, exactly. It's a father-son story. <laughs> and then as as we... Um, Oh, we didn't even mention the fact that uh, during the big nightclub shootout, uh, Madonna or Breathless Mahoney is singing more again. Oh, God. But also during the end credits, more is also playing once again yes. for that for a third time in this movie. Which is too bad because they had Ice-T singing Dick Tracy. Why oh. would you not put that as your final credit song? Well, just for the sake of argument, let's just go ahead and play a snippet of Dick Tracy. Yes, and this is, there's two versions. Uh, this is the 1930s version that we're going to be playing. Yes. Better watch your tail. Your tail just might end up in jail. There's one bad dick, he's on your trail. Dick Tracy. Say you want to steal some scratch. Think you're quick and can't be catched. Here's a flash. Fuck the police, am I right? Fuck the police, man. I love this. I love it too. <laughs> I mean, in, in the pantheon of like rap songs that explain the plots of movies, this one's way up there. And I didn't even know this existed until this week. I I try to bring you delights. This is the most delightful of delights. Yes, and it's it's so goofy and it's a little lazy. Like I'm not gonna lie, it's not it's not tight. Uh. So our friend Andy Paley says, Ice-T is a real gentleman and a consummate professional. The song Dick Tracy is on the record twice because we wanted to do, we wanted to see what the king of rappers could do in the swing mode. He didn't disappoint us and put his track down in one take. As far as I know, this is the first time rap has met swing. The result is a gas. To me, though, this, again, this sounds kind of like John Mulaney's impersonation of Ice-T on SVU. Are you familiar with that bit? I think I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just like, that was all I could think of. <laughs> was it just like Dick Tracy, like, see me like when Flat Top shot up that card game? <laughs> or when Big Boy Caprice gave Lips the bath? Or when, <laughs> <laughs> or when the blank shot Big Boy Caprice? Like, yeah. Yep. That's the plot of Dick Tracy. <laughs> that's it. That's the plot. <laughs> so, but I do like Again, such a waste. This should have absolutely been the single. It should have been. This This was the 90s essence of, of movie soundtrack synergy right there. This is what you did. You had the movie and then you had the, the song, like the big hit at the end. And technically, I guess they sort of did. But no, they didn't because it wasn't even the song that won the Academy Award. I take that back. Yeah. You had... A song about the title character. Yeah. You use it. (laughs) They didn't take like some dumb song and put that over the Adams Family soundtrack or the Men in Black soundtrack. No, you had the song with the movie title in it. Well, I mean, to bring it back down to earth, there's, there's two calculations I think they went with for this. One was which of the two soundtrack albums are we interested in promoting? Mm -hmm. And obviously the answer is Madonna's I'm breathless. The other is, this is Ice-T at the, his, his, you know, the peak of his cop killer uh, persona, I guess. And do you, do you really want him, or maybe he even realized, like, putting out a rap song where you glorify a cop is probably not the right move for your image. 
I guess, but he still, still did it though. Yeah, it's still there and it's still good. So like, let, you know, roll yeah, with it. Roll with it exactly. And you know, we've talked about you know rap songs that explain the movie before. We did a whole episode about it with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, this was one that I just never knew existed before, and it's it's suddenly shot up straight to like the top of that list for me. Yeah, it's a it. lot of fun. I would have liked maybe like a little more of like a new Jack swing. Kinda. Yeah. So this didn't, I liked the, you had the 30 sound and you had iced tea. I don't think they quite meshed as well as I think he's capable of doing. Yeah. And even like the nineties mix gets you a little bit of that new Jack swing, but it's just not quite there. Yeah. And that one doesn't sound like they, they just put new music behind the vocal track he'd already done. Mm-hmm. So there, there feels like there's a weird separation between them. That you know, I'm version, not saying, he, yeah, yeah. I'm not that saying version, he has to go full, like you know, record an album of jazz standards. But I, w- I would have liked a little more, something just a, just slightly more. Yeah, like that, that. The '90s version goes full bat dance. Yes, it's it's just like weird song riffs and bits from the movie and just too many elements to make one cohesive song. Yeah, so the 1930s version is definitely the superior version. I mean, that's kind of the the whole, um, that's the case for the whole album. Like, every time there's the same song twice, the 1930s version is always better. Yes. Wow. I want to show some love to Brenda Lee's You're in the Doghouse now. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Again, supposedly she did this in one take because she's Brenda Lee and she's amazing. This, her voice is perfection. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of my favorites. And I feel like this is what Madonna thinks she sounds like. I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. She, she's trying to be that, but Brenda Lee is Brenda Lee, and Madonna is a dancer who got a record contract. <laughs> this is another like perfect style match. And again, like I love Madonna. Like I'm not gonna take. Well, I love her old stuff. I think she's a crazy white woman now. Um, but you know, I'm not gonna diss. I'm not gonna pretend I don't like like a virgin and true blue and like a prayer. Not going to front, but going back to Brenda Lee, this song so stellar. And I do not know why it wasn't used, especially like on Tess's radio when she's at her mom's. Because that's what I assume it's sort of like written towards. Because Dick Tracy's in the fucking doghouse. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 so it fits so perfectly. I can't believe they didn't use it. And I'll bet it's probably somewhere in that two and a half hour cut of the movie. Yes, the baby cut. The baby cut. Which, I don't know, it's one of those things, like, I want more of the soundtrack, but I don't know how much more of this movie I could take. Oh, no, like, I was I was done with this movie after an hour, and there was still, like, 45 minutes left. <laughs> I know, I could not, I was just, I was out. Wow. It's, it's, it's too much, Twitter. it's too much of all the wrong things. Yeah, it's, it's just, again, a vanity project of just bloated excess and ridiculousness and male pomp. Pretty much. Yeah. So so that's Dick Tracy. That's Dick Tracy, everybody. But yes. wait, there's more. What? There's more? Because this was not the last time we would see Dick Tracy or even Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. Oh, God, no. In 2008, uh, Dick Tracy returned in a 30-minute a special for Turner Classic Movies. Did he fight crime? Um, No. 
Oh, so was it like his wedding to Tess? No, unfortunately not. Oh, well, what was it? It was an excuse for Warren Beatty to keep the rights to Dick Tracy, so he hired Leonard Moulton to just help him talk about Dick Tracy for 30 minutes. So no crime fighting? No crime fighting, no. Just two guys talking? Just two guys talking in a room, and uh, Leonard Moulton asking uh, Dick Tracy, Warren Beatty, in character as Dick Tracy. So Leonard Moulton is interviewing Dick Tracy, who claims to be 107 years old in the clip, he asks him who his favorite uh, Dick Tracy actor, who his favorite perf- you know, portrayal is. The actor from the 30s serials, from the 40s serials, and Warren Beatty. Dick Tracy did not have very many good things to say about Warren Beatty. Weird. <laughs> and it's funny, I, I guess. guess. Well, because the funny, the joke is that it's actually Warren Beatty. It's, it's actually it's, it's Warren Beatty. Everybody. Yeah, that's the joke. It's funny, right? Um, so, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> one of the other things is he praises J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, which is wrong and bad. Um, and he rattles on about blueberries. I'm going to be 107 in no. July. Yes. No. Yeah. 107. 107. Do you have some secret you can share with everybody? Small portions, small portions, and and exercise, mm-hmm. and um, of course, uh, pomegranate. Once in a while, you know, I'll have a blueberry. <laughs> you know, I, uh, nobody ever went wrong with our friend the blueberry. It's on YouTube. We'll put a link in the show notes because you really, you kind of have to see it. It's mind-bogglingly insane. It is definitely a thing that exists, and <laughs> so- and again. The only reason it exists is so Warren Beatty can keep the rights to Dick Tracy because he's an asshole. Yeah, because he's not going to make a sequel. As of 2016, he was still talking about a sequel. Yeah, it's never going to happen. No, the older he gets, the worse it will be. So unless we get like a Dick Tracy like prequel, the way we've got like Perry Mason right now, which is brilliant and I love it. Eh, That's a possibility. No, it's not. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Uh, if it hasn't happened now, it's not going to happen. No. So, and so, Warren Beatty will die and the rights will expire. So, effectively, this was the last we, this was the last America has ever seen of Dick Tracy because, man, right now is not the time for that shit. Nope. <laughs> not at all. That's a hard no. Um, as we said, you know, you could still apparently find the comics. I, like, please, please, if your newspaper carries Dick Tracy, we'd love to know about it. Yeah. And um, the 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 lasting legacy of Dick Tracy is basically like every weird Disney fan you know has opinions about this movie, including including me. Apparently, (laughs) I don't know anyone who remembers anything about this movie. Although I did notice that our graphic designer Kathy had a Dick Tracy coffee mug. Ooh, I did not ask her about it. I probably should, but I was so sort of baffled by it. Oh boy. (laughs) So all right. So that's Dick Tracy. Uh, Joe, what are we doing next week? Or do you actually, do you want to jump in with fan mail? Oh, yeah, we have fan mail. I forgot about that. We've got fan mail. Hey, everybody, we have fan mail. Once again, um, we got a letter from a, a listener a few months back. And, you know, because of reasons, gestures and everything, we missed it. And again, I apologize. I'm getting better at it. And I promise if you email us at ostpartypod at gmail.com, we will read it. I will see it. And we will put it on the air. Anyway, so we got a letter from uh, 
our friend Heath down in Australia. Hey, Heath. Just wanted to say hi from Melbourne, Australia, and to let you hey. know I absolutely love your show and have been listening ever since I found it late last year. We love it. We love you, too. I'm, I'm so time poor at the moment, and the last thing I needed was an extra podcast to listen to, but I will always make time to listen to the OST party. Aww. Uh, and then he gives us uh, four suggestions for for episodes he would like us to do at some point. Ooh, what are what are they? License to Drive from 1988. Ooh. Ooh. Cocktail from 1988. That's pushing it. <laughs> Broke Down Palace from 1999. Okay. And Judgment Night from 1993. I've had a lot of requests for Judgment Night. Yeah, and I'm kind of into it, so... Now that we have, we know, we have definitely gotten requests for it, so we should probably do an episode at, that some, at some point. point. Yes, just for you, Heath. Heath Chimersky, thank you so much for your letter. Thank you. Oh, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. Absolutely, we hope you've stuck around with us uh, through thick and thin these last few months because, man, yes. it's been a time. Yes, it has. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the OST Party. But uh, next time on the podcast, hey, Libby, what are, what are we covering next time? Next time, we're actually going to head back to television, and oh we're going, yes, we're going to talk about uh, Cartoon Planet, which was the sidekick show to Space Ghost Coast to Coast, something that you probably caught in 15-minute bursts at midnight mm-hmm. while flipping channels. You thought you dreamed it. We're here to prove that it's real. <laughs> Two great albums, lots of great stuff. I can't Yes, wait. indeed. So we'll be counting those down. It's another one of our On the Fives. Oh, yes. Oh, until then, though, uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cutmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Or you can find me over at the Shattered Shield podcast. We're finishing up season five, and it's going to be a fucking bummer. Joe, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat. Or you can listen to me yell about Christmas movies all year round at, at Christmas Creeps. And uh, by the time this episode airs, our next Christmas Creeps will be on the air. It should be, I, I, after we record this, I have to go watch Puppy Star Christmas. I don't even know what that is. And as for all I know, you made that shit up. It's apparently part of the Airbud universe. So that's going to be great. <laughs> the Airbud extended universe. <laughs> yes. They made four Christmas movies. Who knew? Holy shit. <laughs> so glad I don't have kids. I don't either, but it didn't stop me. I'm going to have the worst kids. Uh, Yeah, you're going to make them watch Dick Tracy. Yeah. Also, (laughs) our listeners can email us anything they want to ostpartypod at gmail.com. Make it nice. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Tell a friend about the show because this is so much fun and we want you to have fun with us. Yes, please. You're always invited to the party. So, until next time, friends, I have been Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Why is the arm of the law? Dick Tracy. Well, he can prove what they say. Crime doesn't ever pay. Yeah. 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 Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-horse, Libby. Co-horse? I called you a (laughs) co-horse. It's been a long day. I'm extremely tired.